When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you all. It is uh, three minutes past nine as we head through to midday. We have a power-packed three hours, beginning with uh, Aaron Smith, uh, former All-Black captain. I suppose we could call him former All-Black captain. Might be again at some stage, but uh, we're looking forward to catching up with him. Out of Palmerston North, of course, at the moment. Uh, Alexis Pritchard, a former New Zealand boxer, doing great work in terms of mental awareness Mental Health Awareness, and of course it's Mental Health Awareness Week. Marty Banks, uh, after 10 o'clock, uh, playing for Southland Stags these days, of course, but up against the old foe, Tasman, at the weekend. The panel will consist of Hugh Bainan and Guy Havelt today, uh, and after 11 o'clock we'll be talking to uh, Jimmy Smith. Now, Jimmy is a brother of ours at SEN in Sydney, uh, and he's also a former Rabbitoh, so we'll get to the Rabbitohs side of the things. I think we've been a little bit heavy on the Panthers, so Rabbits get their chance today. Uh, really... A busy show, and uh, really, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are too. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, I got really excited yesterday when my old mate Westy come in the pub and uh, told us the news that the three grounded Auckland region NPC teams could resume training. A big bright light had been turned on at the end of the tunnel. Auckland is breaking out. Life is on its way back for the suppressed ones. People outside the big smoke may very soon be able to see and touch and hug their loved ones stuck inside. Wouldn't that be good? It's a sign, praise the Lord, throw open the pub and restaurant doors. Normal commerce can resume. Let Queen Street, Brudermart, the Viaduct, Ponsonby and Newmarket be a buzz again. Alas, alas, then I read the fine print. The conditions. No contact. Ten people only. No shared equipment. The strictest of protocols must be observed and will be monitored in 60 minutes max. Felt and sounded more like Mount Eden than Eden Park. It's bad enough, bad enough the players will have to wear name tags to remember who each other are. Why don't you just give them a Zorb ball and let them train in that? It's truly a very small concession and it promises a lot less than I got excited about. Like showing a kid a jar of lollies and then banning him from opening the lid. It's a gesture at best, and it offers little. Time is running out for a proper NPC. Time is running out for many Auckland business owners and their dependents. Time is running out for Helen Clark to send out invites for her backyard party to listen to the dulcet tones of Guns N' Roses. Remind me again, 
What was the massive economic benefit of that recent netball series? And how did those black caps so easily jump the queue? Rules for some, rules for some. End of the day, I guess, though, small fish are sweet. Right, he's captain of the All Blacks this year, played his 100th Test match, re-signed until 2023 with New Zealand Rugby, and now he's featuring for his beloved Manawatu Turbos in the NPC. He's also, and this is the biggie, expecting a second baby in November coming up. So uh, all in all, uh, Aaron Smith, you're having a hell of a year, man, haven't you? Oh, mate, very grateful. Um, things have stacked out nicely. Um, but yeah, you know, there's... Uh, there's a silver lining to everything, and obviously not being with the boys in Australia, um, being home, being able to play for my beloved province, and then also um, in the next few weeks joining my wife to um, be there to support her with our second baby. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good story actually. Yeah, uh, what what are you missing most about not being with the All Blacks at the moment? Um, well, I'll be honest. Watching the games, the first uh, while we're in lockdown and stuff was was a little bit tough, just the, the FOMO feeling of, you know, not being there and stuff, but being at home um, was good as well for the body. But I think being in camp with the Turbos the last few weeks has just um, has really helped, obviously, preparing for my own games and, um, you know, not feeling like I'm just a, a rugby player that can play at the moment but wasn't playing rugby. So I think that's really helped. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was tough, but... Um, it was an easy decision in the sense of um, if I jumped on the plane and not having been able to get back and coming back in December and my baby being a month old or, you know, six weeks old was just too tough to, to sort of think about. Okay, so let's um, uh, let's look at uh, playing for the Turbos. Um, how much are you enjoying that, being back in that environment? Oh, it's been great, mate. It's good. Um, I got those two games in last year. And got to meet a few of the young fellas, and um, it's been great to kind of come back, see how far they've grown, um, try and you know help and, uh, and add to this group as best as I can. Um, best thing I'm trying to do though is just lead through example of you know this is how this is what I do, and this is how much I put into uh, my training week to prepare for a game, and um, just hoping to you know you know inspire by that, not trying to tell them what to do or Maybe you should do this. Just show what I do and if they pick up anything. And, you know, this time around, I think a lot of those younger boys I built connections with last year, asking a lot more questions around preparation, food, recovery, extra training. And I really enjoyed that. And the big one about me coming home too, which I was excited about, was trying to give back to the community. Um, I've been away in Dunedin now for about 11 years. So, um, you know, I'm going to my primary schools on Friday. Um, giving them a jersey each and just want those opportunities to inspire the younger generation from where I'm from, you know, and um, this trip's been about that for me too. I've been up to Massey University for some of the rugby camps and talked to the groups. Um, I'm uh, doing the work with the Manawatu Cyclone Halfbacks daily and or every couple of days, which has been really exciting and had a couple of uh, chats to coaches as well in the region around how they can improve. So it's been really fulfilling um, to be here. 
What about the, the provincial rugby standard itself and, and playing at that level now? Yeah, it's great, mate. And, um, you know, I think the way the, the way you play, obviously with level two and no crowd, it's pretty tough. But oh, we had like 100 people there and they were che- uh, cheering. But, yeah, it's a real good level. It's, um, it's a great experience, the type of rugby around, um, you know, the beauty of NPC is, you know, it's never over. Um, a play's never dead, and you know they can be try score from anywhere. And the one thing I love the most is just seeing young guys come through, and you know you just sort of write little notes about what's that space on this young fella. And um, either in the weekend it was from Northland, and seeing how they're pro- um, projecting, and then our young Turbos boys around, you know, who, who I think could make it, and um, making sure that you know they can call me any time if they need any advice around future contracts and things, and seeing the talent rich pool we've got here even just a month or two and watching the other um, EPC games there's there's heaps of talent coming through which is always a blessing for New Zealand We've got Otago this week uh, mate that, that'll be an interesting match up for you that's one to look forward to Yeah it's good mate the, uh, we, I played them last year and they uh, got a good good little win on us but you know we threw a few intercepts so this time I got a really good plan um, obviously playing about 9 or 10 of my uh, Highlanders teammates um, you know, it's always good playing your mates, and uh, but it'll be uh, be really good. It'll be good to see them. Um, they haven't played in a while, so we'll be trying to use that to our advantage. Uh, we felt it in the weekend around sort of that 50 minute mark where you know you can train and run all you like and lockdown stuff, but game of rugby's a pretty vicious game and and the conditioning wise. So we'll be trying to sort of put the screws on them and run them around and get them in that hurt locker pretty early. You've been uh, busy on the video side of things, mate. I've, I've just watched it, this uh, viral video, uh, the TikTok thing, knocking bottles off teammates' uh, hands and, and uh, heads and things like that, mate. I've got to say, it was a very polished performance. How many takes? It took two performances. The first one, I, uh, I, um, I, the, the first pass was the hardest one, the sort of cone off the top of the head because obviously getting the height right. So the first video was very funny. I hit him uh, square in the cheek. And then uh, second take, we got it. So, um, yeah, it was good. It was just a bit of fun, mate, with the young fellas. And uh, our gym trainer was looking at me like, uh, can you do that at the end? And I was like, okay, sweet, sorry. We should focus on our gym session. And then, yeah, the young boys are into it. And, yeah, we should do it and put it on TikTok. And, hey, just trying to have a bit of fun, um, connect with my teammates and, and, you know, um, yeah, it's just what it is, mate. And, like, I can't dance on TikTok, so I might as well do something I'm good at. Hey, look, everyone um, everyone knows the guy who throws throws the knives, but no one knows the uh, the name of the lady that's spinning around when the knives go at her. So who was – can you identify your, your brave teammate on the end of it? It was our young centre, Jar. He's a brilliant – he's a brilliant young man, and he's been up with the Blues in the wider squad last year, and, he did really well. It was actually his idea. He was trying to knock cones off someone's head and kept missing. So I said, oh, I have a crack, bro, if you don't mind standing there. And and then, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy seeing how how far the video went and it kind of, my phone was blowing up. And it was cool, just, you know, a bit of positive energy out there at the moment. Um, and, and then seeing heaps of young little kids and people have a crack at it, it's been quite fun and, um, yeah, really fulfilling. Just back to the All Blacks for a second, mate. You've played against uh, Fafta Clerk a lot. You know his style of play, but 
how have you how have you looked at the the Springbok tactics this time around? Has it surprised you to the level of which they've played it? Oh, it surprised me a little bit in the sense I thought they would um, try it. Like usually they play quite tight and then they play the All Blacks and and play a bit more expansive and spread us out and that's when they're very dangerous. But obviously they're going quite you know home run on their uh, on their game plan, which to be honest was pretty effective in the weekend, but. Um, very limited in the sense of what to stop, but it is an effective way to play. Um, it won them a World Cup, mate, so uh, people could talk about brands of rugby all they want, but you play for trophies and they won the one that counts. Um, but I think, yeah, as we saw in the weekend, if you can nullify their kicking game, if when the All Blacks kicked well and put them deep in their half, it's very much, you can't box kick from in your 22 and it lands around the 30 or 40, you know. And yes, you might get the ball back, but you're still not in their half. And um, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one. But um, that test match was always going to be what it was. Um, it was built up for, you know, 12 to 15 months. Um, I remember it being on the test calendar this year and it was the game everyone wanted to play in. And it was never going to be a loose affair. Um, South Africa weren't going to let that happen and their style of game, the way they play, slowing the game down and that, um, people can say that's ugly, but hey, they were they, they were up in that 70, in the 70th minutes and uh, nearly got it done, but I was so proud of our young, two of our young men stepping up to win us that game, Quinta Pai with the turnover and Geordie Barrett with the kick, so that's always pleasing to see that, um, not just the old boys stood up, that was uh, two young guys standing up and really owning a real high-pressure moment. So, so Aaron, do you expect it to loosen up a wee bit then? Do you expect anything slightly different from South Africa and New Zealand's response this time round? I think if you saw what Africa did when they got the ball back from their box kicks, they spread it a bit. They did look dangerous, and I, I, I suspect they, I, I, they'll have a multi-layer game plan this week. They, they've got nothing to lose. Um, that's a dangerous South Africa. And um, everyone's been coming at their style of play, and they'll probably try sharpen that up, but also um, play with the ball, play with a bit more freedom of, which, you know, they need a win. And um, I, I see this as the this is the you know banana skin game for us because we probably built everything up for that game, you know, because you know that was the the big marker tale for the All Blacks as well. So uh, it's going to be another awesome game. Um, yeah, it's going to be a thriller and. I think everyone can uh, stop expecting these six or seven try thrillers against NZ South Africa. It's just so much pressure, so much around your want to tackle, want to carry, and that. that um, as you saw with Africa, if you give away a penalty in your half, Pollard's going to kick it over. And uh, if you play too expensively, it just suits their game. So you can't give um, South Africa entries into your 22s. They'll just maul for penalties. Kick, kick at the goal or score with them all try. So I think that was great in the weekend of the All Blacks limited their time in our 22, which is what they thrive on. Yeah, you, mate, you, you know, obviously it sounds like you're, you're staying really busy uh, away from the All Black camp, but you're finding, are you finding this mentally is quite refreshing for you, seeing another side of, of perhaps community rugby? And, and, and what's it doing for you your mentally? Is it refreshing you? Yeah, mate, like... Um, just, uh, I obviously was sore from the game but uh, and stuff, but it wasn't like a test match kind of 
bash up and a super rugby bash up like it was I was I was able to train on the Sunday and um, got a good massage but I was ready to go Monday where other games that you can play super rugby and test you're sort of a bit broken to about Tuesday so um, but yeah it's just I think in the end like once um, NPC's done I'll, I'll get the extra few months leading into super rugby as well and like that'll buy me time later on and that's how I'm seeing it mate so all those sort of taking it for what it is. I had a really heavy six months of rugby, high minutes, played most games for Super Rugby and, and, and then in that little July series and let us lose. And then um, this happened and I got that kind of six-week gap between games. And, yeah, so it's just I'm taking it as a blessing for my body as an older athlete. Yeah. Um, and I, can't, I don't have a choice either, Smithy. Like, it, it's just what's happened, mate. I've... Uh, Got a baby coming. It's very important to me for my family, and it is a. It's going to buy me time for next year, and hopefully another year after that to um, fulfil a dream of trying to go to another World Cup. Hey mate, uh, it's been fantastic uh, that you've given us a bit of your time this morning. I've absolutely loved having a chat and thrilled, absolutely thrilled. I'm an ex Palmerston North boy myself, so I'm thrilled to 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 hear that you're you're loving being back in town, mate. So uh, all the best uh, and good luck against Otago, eh? Thank you, guys. Have a good morning. Aaron Smith there, yep, out of Palmerston North. Uh, we've got him. Um, he's just uh, on his way to turbo training as well. So, um, yeah, he's uh, busy, keeping very busy and uh, doing some great stuff down there. Just imagine the kids' faces when he fronts up at school. Absolutely outstanding. But one of his, his interesting comments there was uh, he believes this could be a banana skin game, a banana skin game for the All Blacks. What do you think? Uh, do you think the brakes might have come off and... Uh, just maybe we're a bit more vulnerable this time around? Or do you uh, actually believe we'll be better for it and we'll win by more? Double eight double three is our text number. You can call on 0800 150811. And who do you think will start at halfback? What would be your choice at halfback on the subject of the number nine jersey? New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.25 here too uh, on SENZ and uh, Neville has called from Dunedin. Neville, what's on your mind? Well, I'm just enjoying a drive out to Port Chalmers around the harbour at the moment. <laughs> but I yep. just, just felt like making a comment on um, what you were saying about the next chess match. Um, I, I really think the All Blacks will play better um, and win more comfortably. I, I just have that feeling I'll have learned a lot. Um, and number nine, I've got to say I prefer um, the little fella, Weber. Um, but the one thing that really disgusted me when um, you looked at that first test against the Africans, and I didn't really realise it when I was watching it, but it was only later when somebody made comments I might have been the All Black Ford about the stoppages. Um, I can't remember one stoppage for an All Black injury. And there was apparently 15 stoppages. Now, you can't tell me they're all injuries. The South Africans obviously just milk it and, and have a rest. And it, it, it's all about, you know, they, they run out of puff and then they'll, oh, someone will go down these feigning an injury. And it's about time something was done about that. That's a good observation, Neville, actually. I, I, I hadn't um, had a bit of a take on that, but I certainly will watch out for it this weekend. 
Uh, thanks very much for your call. Um, enjoy your trip uh, around the harbour. That is a beautiful drive. Uh, don't end up in the harbour because that's a very skinny road as well. But uh, thanks for your thoughts. Yeah, I'm a bit with Brad Weber as well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Dean, good old, our great mate Dean uh, is on the line as well. Uh, Dean, we, we, we look forward to your previews of the Test match. Well, what are you thinking? And, and have you got a theory on the captain? Yeah, I got a yeah, good morning, Smithy. I got a definite um, feeling on the cap. It worries me. Like I, I just listened to your interview there with Aaron, and he's he's been given given the the ropes with the Highlanders there last season. He did a pretty good job. So the way he speaks for me, and his actions on the field go without speaking. But the way he came across on the radio, that for me is the sort of guy that will win a World Cup in twenty twenty three. So I don't want to point fingers or anything, but it just worries me the way we're going with the captaincy. Sam Whitelock, for me, is another good one, but he might be getting a wee bit long too. So, yeah, I just don't know. But the other thing I wanted to say is thanks very much for that book. It arrived yesterday, that the top 15, whatever it was called. Um, yep. Interesting. interesting. I read, yeah, I read the first page and I read the last page. And he says it all in the, the first page about it's just an opinion, you know, because clearly... There's some there that I, I don't know. And it, a lot of it comes down to errors that you've watched as well. You know, you think Jeff Wilson was better than Brian Williams because you didn't watch Brian Williams in his heyday. So, yeah, it's a great book. But I reckon it's time you could do a cricket one of those, you know, because we've actually Williams teams as good as your one. So you could, you've got grounds now for a decent cricket book exactly the same. You'd have something yeah. to do with that, sure. Like, well, I'd, I'd read it. I'm not sure I'd have too much input into it, uh, Dino, but... I, I'd certainly read it, mate, and uh, there is scope. I imagine someone is even thinking about it as we speak because um, they're always looking for ideas uh, for books. Hey, hey Dino, uh, thanks for your call. Make sure you, um, uh, I want to hear perhaps uh, either a, a review on Monday or a preview tomorrow at some point uh, of the Test match, and I tell you what, we need it in the style you gave us last week because uh, that went worldwide. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, Dean. Dean and Neville from Dunedin. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, Typical Labour, yeah. Oh, oh, by the way, too, uh, Neville, uh, you, you are getting a copy of Rugby News, uh, so uh, that's all good. You stay on the line there, you get a copy of Rugby News. And John, um, for our uh, listeners, uh, there is a deal for the Rugby News as well. Just run that past yeah, us. Yeah, it's good. Um, they've come on board, and every caller uh, onto our show, I think, and maybe on all the shows, will get a copy of the Rugby News for free. And if you want a subscription. Just go uh, online to where you get your Rugby News subscription, chuck in the code SENZ and you'll get 10% off your subscription. So Rugby News hooking us up and the listeners. Great news, great news. Uh, two or three texts have just come in. Um, hey SENZ, Smithy and Smithy, great interview, Mark from uh, Mount Eden there. Thanks, uh, Mark. We're really good talking to him. Jeez, uh, he's doing great things here. I imagine that he has his kids and the the ones at the university uh, in the training grounds as well when Aaron Smith fronts up to have a, just a quick chat. Typical Labour gesture, all smoke and mirrors, uh, Smithy, that's from Mark, and that's on the basis that um, I, I kind of feel it, uh, whilst they, they're going to let them train, it's, it's almost a bit of a, a, a token gesture, uh, to be honest. I mean, if you can't have contact, you can't even touch the same rugby ball, how the hell are you going to train? That would be a, an interesting watch, wouldn't it? Uh, Great news, uh, says uh, Gizzy. Great news, there will be female Jane Bonds. Apparently when the eighth female Bond stars, there is going to be a remake of uh, a very famous movie, and I nearly fell into a trap then. So uh, there you go. I really nearly fell into a trap. You nearly got me, Gizzy. 
Um, but it's too early in the morning for that. 9.30 here on SENZ. <laughs> Well, it's Mental Health Awareness Week. It's become one of the most important topics, too, in sport around the world of late. We're working in that space now for New Zealand Olympic Committee. His former Commonwealth Games and Olympic boxer, Alexis Pritchard. Good morning to you, Alexis. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Ian. How are you? I'm just cool, thanks. Uh, and um, I'm really looking forward to talking to you about the work you're doing in this area. Look, it started way back at the London Olympics for you. Uh, you created history by becoming the first New Zealand woman to uh, win a boxing bout at the Games. Uh, but when you returned home, you, you weren't really feeling on, on top of the world. Can you, can you, remember, can you remember why and, and what sparked that? Um, I think, well, you know, you were at an event where you had been working your butt off and had all your focus on for years and years. Um, prior and then you get to the event you perform as best as you can um, the experience is incredible, your dopamine is just getting fired off left, right and centre I, I think it's like you use your whole month or two month supply of it in two weeks and then you get home and things don't feel as rosy anymore um, you're feeling low uh, you're feeling like the motivation's not there and there's like questions around what next, where to next, um, what was, you know. Um, and I think initially you don't know what it's about um, and then the more you have conversations about it, you, you discover that actually this is a normal thing um, in terms of transition, that there are there is that low period after a big um, goal that you've achieved and I think it's not only an Olympic experience or a Commonwealth Games athlete experience, it's a, it's a human experience. Um, any of us that have worked towards a goal uh, for a very long time and either attained well, it or didn't, yeah. um, they will feel that afterwards. Particularly, Alexis, too, in a, in a sport um, or an Olympic discipline like boxing, etc., where uh, all your build-up and, and all your focus is, is so routine. I mean, it, it's, it's habitual what you do almost on a daily, on a weekly basis. To all of a sudden come back mm. to not that routine must be one of the keys as well. Yes, but I also think it's important that we, we do take a step back afterwards and, and uh, recognise that we, we need to reflect and go back to the drawing board and think about, you know, ask ourselves, what, are, what, are, what do we want for the next quarter? What do we want for the next year? Um, so there will be a time when the routine might not be the same. Um, but yes, the routine definitely keeps you sort of stepping forward. And then when the routine is gone, you're like, oh, you've got to examine things a little bit more. So you win a Commonwealth Games bronze medal, which is um, also a part of New Zealand history, which is fantastic. Um, mm. uh, but still, it didn't appear, or in, in your thinking, it, it wasn't, um, I won't say not satisfying, but it, it wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, really uh, what you had expected, I suppose. Some people call that sort of thing like a, a success hangover. Uh, is, is that a fair term for it? Um, well, I, I was... I'm super proud of, of what I did and what I achieved. Um, I think the hangover, I was just not expecting the hangover. Yeah, like you say, I just wasn't expecting the hangover because I was like, oh, I've achieved the thing that I set out to do. So why do I still feel this way afterwards? 
Um, and, and it's because, again, that focus had been solely there for those two and a bit years leading up to it. Then we went out and we performed beautifully. We achieved our goals. Um, and then we came home. And and life doesn't really change. The world kind of just goes on. And you can't get stuck in the past. I think that's kind of what, what happens to us a little bit. We get stuck and think that we're going to come home and life is going to be so much different but it's not it's mm. the same stuff you still have to wake up and make your breakfast um, you still have to reply to emails <laughs> yeah so now you're an advocate um, for athletes for New Zealand athletes uh, tell us what that entails and what inspired you to do that so I, I am a, a volunteer on the New Zealand Olympic Committee's Athlete Commission and it's mm. It started after the Glasgow Commonwealth Games. I put my name forward, athletes voted, and they voted me onto our Athletes Commission. And our Athletes Commission is the voice for athletes within the New Zealand Olympic Committee, um, where we collaborate with the New Zealand Olympic Committee to make sure that um, the Olympic sports and the Olympics are left in a good place for our athletes. Um, and so we talk about all these sorts of things. It's like, how can we make environments better for our athletes? How can we make sure that we look after athletes in the post-games period? Um, mm. Because I think it's important for me as a as a person to leave my world in a better place for the next lot of athletes coming through. It's important for us to talk about these things. Um, improvement is essential in in any organization, um, you know, athletes seek out improvement on a daily basis and I think it's really important for organizations to have conversations to seek out ways to improve it for their people. Um, so that's been a really cool thing to see how over the last eight years things have changed. Um, people are listening and they, they're really starting to value the athlete voice um, understand that we're not there to be argumentative or antagonistic. Um, we're there to collaborate and improve. Um, and when we are listened to, we create environments that are powerful, where everybody's mana is upheld, which I think is very important for us in the sporting system. So you, I guess what you, one of the areas here is you've got to have a plan um, before you even go to your event, before you go... Um, to the games, etc. You, you've got to have a post-games plan, pretty much cemented, win, lose, or draw. I, I, uh, so you, you've got something that, that is there through the next door, mm. fixed there for you. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely spot on there. Um, I guess they call it like a transition plan. Um, what are you going to do afterwards? Who are you going to be connecting with? What kind of exercise are you doing? What kind of um, maybe you're going to be involved in a, a little online course or something like have all those things in place and also know that you might feel low and that that is okay. It's an okay experience. Our emotions are valid and not for us to push them away. Um, so thinking about what are our strategies when we're feeling low, like who do we reach out to, who do we talk to, and just coming back to those essential things around um, looking after our well-being and our mental health, which is making sure that we get out into the sun, having connections with our loved ones. Um, mm. Yeah, so all those things that um, our mental health 
advocates are, are pushing are the things that we need to be doing um, in that transition period as well, in all periods, not only in mental health week. Yeah. So, so what is keeping uh, what is keeping you motivated these days? What are, what are your your special goals as such that you know after you've had your breakfast, got up and had your breakfast, as you say, get you going and, and get you fired up. Um, well, I'm in Auckland, so I'm in lockdown. So it is a special kind of transition, isn't it? Um, yeah. And it is a special kind of trying to stay sane. Um, so for me, it's get up and go and see the sunrise. Um, so I see the sunrise every morning and come home and have a coffee. Um, and then at the moment, I'm doing some puzzling. So I'm creating a what, thousand piece jigsaw here. And then uh, go and sit down and do some work. Um, so it's, I've got a routine and I'm sticking with my routine. I'm also making sure that I'm fueling myself with good, nutritious food. Um, we don't have any junk food things in our house. That is very purposeful, though, because if it was in my house, I would eat it. So none of that. Um, <laughs> and making sure that I don't have too much alcohol. Like Water is the thing in and I've kept my coffee intake at two a day. Um, and then, you know, reaching out and having conversations with people. Um, so keeping myself busy, not busy, busy, but like doing things, moving forward. Yeah. Alexis, and listening, you... and I think it's also, pause for a second, and I also think it's important to listen to listen to yourself. So, like, some days I'm like, oh, I'm not feeling like I want to do all this work. I think today I'm going to have a quiet day and read. So I think it's also important there to listen. So ha- have you noticed, Alexis, um, there's more vulnerability for people in individual sports or team sports? And what I mean by that, you know, you've had to – basically be self-motivated and do a lot of the stuff yourself in mm. an individual sport, like boxing. Uh, but then you get into yeah. a team environment, uh, you, you, you're surrounded by other people a little bit more. But having said that, once once you leave the team environment, all of a sudden you're an individual. So then you become vulnerable as well because you've lost that comfort zone. So is there one area or another that, that is more dangerous, you feel? No, I don't feel. I don't believe that one is more dangerous than the other. I I think it's a it's a collective experience, um, and like you say, it's individuals in a team, and individuals go home um, by themselves, even though they might have a team that had the, a similar experience. Um, we still don't have the same experience. We could have somebody in a team who performed out of their skin and we could have someone that didn't perform out of their skin. Um, but as a, you know, so I don't believe anyone is more vulnerable than the other. I think that post-games, there is this period where we might not feel ourselves and that that is okay. Mm. Alexis, been great chatting to you. Um, um, doing sterling work. I absolutely love that um, with your experience, you're putting back and giving back to people who uh, are vulnerable in this area. Uh, fantastic. Thanks so much for your time this morning. I've enjoyed the chat. Great. Thank you very much. Cheers, Alexis Pritchard, the former New Zealand Olympic and Commonwealth Games boxer. Uh, of course, uh, now trying to put back in there. If you listen to Alexis this morning, then you listened uh, yesterday to Paul Fodawira. Very, very similar, very similar, um, and, and wanting to give back and, and experience. And the main thing that you get there is surrounding yourself um, with a good, a good support group and not losing sight 
of things outside of what you're doing. I, I think that's hugely important. Not to lose sight of, of the, the fact that there are other things in life. Uh, you, you can get so driven as to what you, you, the goal that you're trying to think, you, you do lose sight of that. Very interesting. Uh, and it's, of course, uh, as part of uh, Mental Health Awareness Week that we're focusing on that. It's uh, 9.45 here on SENZ. Uh, your calls and texts uh, would be gratefully received. Uh, double eight, double three. Um, naming an All Black team this afternoon, um, and who do you think will start at number nine on the on the back of talking to Aaron Smith this morning? And do you think we're vulnerable? Is it a banana skin game in your mind, or do you think it's more comfortable this time around? Of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, John, I'm afraid uh, we gave you the opportunity yesterday, but um, you've let us down. And I've got to say, you you went relatively close because Man U uh, just got up, as we speak, really. They just got up. The game just finished against the Villarreal. Uh, They were down uh, for quite some time, but they won courtesy of a goal by guess who in the 95th minute, Cristiano Ronaldo. So Old Trafford went absolutely berserk. Uh, So that was a good one. But Barnsley, your Barnsley boys got beaten 3-1 3-1 by Nottingham Forest, and Andy Murray's opponent didn't even turn up. What's going on? Yeah, Kane Nishikori got scared of Andy Murray uh, and didn't turn up. So that was a, a walkover. So those odds didn't count in my multi-smithy. And I told I told the listeners Cristiano Ronaldo was going to be the guy, and they tried to tell me, oh, Villarreal's only conceded three goals in seven games. But bang, man, you, the Red Devils got in there. But yeah, my theory of Barnsley sounding like Burnley um, and I like Burnley because Chris Wood plays for them. Nah, that wasn't a sound theory, Smithy. Nottingham Forest getting up there. So back no. on to you, mate. Yeah, you're back on the bench. Sorry, mate. So baseball, 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 football. That's the one today. Uh, Dodgers to beat the Padres uh, at a buck thirty-two. The Red Sox, Boston Red Sox to beat the Baltimore Orioles a dollar thirty-seven. The San Francisco Giants to beat the Arizona Diamondbacks at a buck thirty-five. And football tomorrow morning, Leicester City. To beat Legia Warsaw at a buck fifty-seven, so it's a four-prong multi uh, to return three dollars eighty-three. Relying heavily on the baseball makes me a bit nervous, but it's very, getting very close to playoff time. So hopefully they're all trying exceedingly hard there um, to uh, improve their chances or, or get into to playoff uh, position anyway. So looking forward to that. Now I'm also looking forward to uh, just after the news coming up with uh, t- a chat to Marty Banks, one of the cult figures, I guess you'd say of New Zealand domestic rugby, re-signed with the Highlanders. A big clash this weekend. It's 10 o'clock here on SENZ. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Rugby. Rugby talk now. It's uh, 10.03 here on SENZ, and it's the game that this particular gentleman would have circled on the calendar when the NPC draw came out. Southland against Tasman this Sunday in Blenheim. Marty Banks is, uh, is with us, once one of the favourite sons uh, in the Tasman uniform at the top of the South Island. Now he's at the very bottom, making his home in Invercargill. Good morning, Marty. How is life in the Deep South? 
Yeah, morning, Smithy. Um, it's uh, it's actually good. I was I was hoping I wouldn't ever meet Izzy Dag on this radio show, and I'm glad I've got Smithy rather than Dagger after this week. I've had him in my ear about missing a kick, and uh, I don't think I could stomach talking to him any more this week. So, um, but yeah, the, the deep south uh, it's actually really good. Uh, it's turning on some beautiful weather uh, in the last few days. Today's not as good, but uh, yeah, it's uh, all shaping up nicely to get up to some sun, hopefully in Blenheim. What's the rugby feel like down there, mate? How's uh, makes uh, the, the rugby... public? What's the feel? Oh, mate, it's, uh, it's, it's, we've probably had, I've had three games, obviously we didn't play the first week back from COVID, but, uh, you know, we've probably had two games we probably probably should have won. Um, played Otago and um, obviously lost to Canterbury last week and, and bad penalty sort of taught us a little less in the second half. But, you know, I think, the public's really, really uh, supportive of the footy players and the, the footy team. Like, it's unbelievable how much um, support we had pre-COVID. Um, just the public just get right in behind the team. And, you know, all we have to do now is just put a win in front of them and, and I'm sure we'll get even more support. But, yeah, they're just really passionate. Um, you walk around the street and um, everyone sort of knows, knows everything about the game and knows about what's coming up. The taxi drivers know what's going on and, yeah, it's a really cool environment to sort of be playing footy in. Um, sort of pretty grassroots, I guess, at a professional level. Like everyone just, just loves the game for what it is, and I think that's what's so special about South and footy. What lured you down there, mate, as opposed to perhaps returning to uh, the Nelson Marlborough area? Why the Deep South? Yeah, oh, mate, it was, it was a really tough decision. Um, at the time, I was, I was thinking I was going to go back to Japan, um, sort of when I just got back. In May, I think it was. Um, so I was sort of putting my eggs into that basket so I wouldn't have to make a hard decision um, around trying to get a Super Rugby contract because I knew I knew to get a Super Rugby contract I was going to have to play um, some footy in New Zealand. Um, and obviously with Tasman, with the depth I've got now and, and Mitch Hunt and, and guys like that going so well, that, that opportunity probably wasn't going to be there as much as I needed it um, to push on for a Super Rugby gig. So... Um, and I guess the way I looked at it was I probably need to go somewhere that isn't directly um, aligned against Tasman. I guess I was playing club rugby in Christchurch, and um, if I think I if I think if I went to Canterbury and, and ended up playing against Tasman, it would have been a hell of a lot more awkward than um, coming somewhere like Southland and and playing against Tasman. So because I knew this game was always going to come up, and it's it's been in the back of my mind for all season and all pre-season. Um, but yeah, I was sort of coached by Dale McLeod. Um, He's the head coach down here. He coached me straight out of school. So um, sort of got that connection there. And I sort of wanted to do it for someone that um, I sort of owed, owed a bit to. And I owe a lot to Dale just because he sort of took me under his wing out of high school and put me on the path to, to where I am today. Marty, and it worked. The plan worked because, of course, you've, you've got a gig. You've, you've been signed at the Highlanders. Josh Iwani is is moving north. So... Um, that's going to put quite a lot of emphasis on your input coming up for the season. Yeah, mate, it was because um, when it came down to it, I, I did have a chance to go back to Japan um, when I was talking to the Highlanders, and I sort of just put things into perspective where I am and and sort of where I want to be and, and and what sort of things mean to me the most at the moment. And um, yeah, the Highlanders' decision was a pretty easy one in the end, just um, being able to stay at home and come back to a team that I love um, obviously the environment's changed a little bit in terms of the faces but um, it's still the team that I, I sort of cherish and um, I always thought I'd finish my career with Tasman and the Highlanders um, obviously might not finish it with the, the Tasman team but 
I'm pretty stoked that I get to go back and, and contribute to that, that Highlanders team. It, obviously, being an older head now, my, my role's changed a little bit, but um, I'm still still thinking I can play some decent footy. Um, I'm pretty happy with sort of the way I've been playing in the first few games of NPC. Uh, so I know I can contribute on the field, um, and I guess my role off the field will change a little bit in terms of helping some of these younger guys coming into the team because looking over the team now, there's some young guys coming into it, guys straight out of high school, and you know, being able to help them in one way or another would be pretty cool. Marty, uh, this weekend, uh, as we said, you're playing against uh, Tasman uh, for the Clark Dermody Cup. A lot of people were thinking it should have been for the Marty Banks Cup, but uh, Clark Dermody Cup is uh, pretty important because uh, he's uh, going to be quite instrumental in what you're doing. Yeah, Derms is um, yeah, Derms is a special man. Like I've had a, had a lot to do with Derms through the Highlanders, and um, he's actually been into the Southland um, environment a couple of times this year. He was in last week when we played Canterbury, but you know, it's, it's a pretty cool um, trophy to have, I guess. You know, Derms has been in both camps. He's been up at Tasman for a few years, and obviously a, a Southland legend. So, you know, we've we've talked about it a lot. It is, obviously it's his first year, but it's a it's a trophy we really want to have a crack at. And I don't know, being able to go up there and play. I guess Tasman, the, the benchmark team. Obviously, they lost against Waikato, but in our eyes, uh, they've been leading this competition for the last few years. And like to go up there and really put it against the best, and to see where we stand, it's uh, it's a great opportunity for this team. And you know, I guess for me personally, like it, yeah, I, I I've known it's coming, and um, like I'm excited about it. I'm probably lucky that there's uh, COVID restrictions on the crowd because I'll probably cop a bit of abuse if uh, if there's a full stadium there. So that, that's probably one bonus, but. Um, yeah, I'm expecting it to be maybe a little bit of niggle uh, coming from the boys and from the few supporters that are there, which will add to the occasion. But um, yeah, it's just going to be an awesome week, and I think that trophy just adds to the the uh, game even more. So the boys are really looking forward to it. We sort of, you know, we found out where we sat in relation to Canterbury. I think um, on another day we probably beat Canterbury, and and our, our scoreboard looked a little bit different there. But um, yeah, occasion is a little bit different to, to Canterbury, so we're going to have to probably step our game up a little bit more just to, to put ourselves in the mix to win that game. Has there been any banter or have you given them the cold shoulder so far? No, I see they've put up a, a fairly horrible photo of me and, and Mitch Hunt. Mitch looked quite good in the photo and I looked about as good as I ever do, which isn't that great. So, But no, there's actually been no banter at all. Um, I've talked to James Marshall a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, there's been no shot fired, which is uh, interesting. As you said, you You've gone pretty close on a couple of occasions, which has been frustrating. So uh, this is a Tasman side that has uh, always been well-performed, of course, but just a little vulnerable. They might have to bounce back a bit because uh, Waikato embarrassed them a wee bit, didn't they? Yeah, mate. Waikato, well, we watched that game last week, and yeah, Waikato just, just put Tasman under pressure. I guess Tasman made probably a few mistakes when they probably could have been scoring at one end of the field, and, and Waikato scooped the ball up and go the other way. But yeah, I think Waikato showed that Tasman are... You know, they are a good team, but they're also human. Um, they will make mistakes, and we've just got to be prepared to put them under pressure to, to cause those mistakes. And we're probably aware of the fact that we're probably not going to get many opportunities to to score points or score tries and stuff like that. So, yeah, we've just got to be a bit more clinical. I think we've sort of let a few opportunities slip um, across our games in terms of just um, easy sort of three-on-twos or, or fours-on-twos and stuff like that. And we're just missing those opportunities. and those opportunities versus Tasman probably aren't going to be there as much as things like Otago in, um, in these early sort of couple of games. So, yeah, we're just going to have to be really vigilant. Uh, not vigilant, sorry. Um, 
um, and nailing those, uh, nailing those um, opportunities. We got a text in this morning. You might be able to help us uh, with this one, actually. When uh, the text read, uh, "When do the uh, super sides uh, get finalised and and announced to, to the public in terms of their entirety, not just individual signings as such?" Uh, would you have any idea if there's a like a cut-off date for when the Highlanders uh, franchise have to be finalised with their plans? Um, in the past, this is a couple of years ago, I always thought it was around that sort of mid-November time. Um, don't know the exact date, but. I don't know whether that time frame's changed just with the, the way the season and stuff are, but um, and obviously I don't know when the pre-season's starting um, in terms of that NPC's probably pushed back to late November. I don't know whether Super Rugby teams now get more time to, to look at players, but yeah, I always thought it was sort of early to mid-November that the teams had to, had to be locked in, but um, I couldn't give you an exact date. Sorry, mate. Well, uh, we, we spoke earlier to, uh, to Aaron Smith, uh, Aaron Smith uh, mentioned during the interview that he is really uh, enjoying this time uh, away from the All Blacks in terms of refreshing himself. And one of his big focuses to be refreshed for is uh, his uh, Highlanders campaign coming up. Uh, so him inside you, the possibility of uh, maybe Falau Fokatava coming back in time. Um, those guys inside you, quite exciting, isn't it? Oh, Nuggie, he's, uh, mate, you thought the way you see him bouncing around and, and videos and stuff on Um, if, if they look to change it up, but I can't imagine they will 
just a text in, and it's not from Israel Dag, it's uh, just from a, a listener who says, uh, are they paying you in oysters down south? <laughs> I actually miss oyster season. I think I got here and oyster season was up, but I've had a couple of black oysters. Uh, I think they were from Frozen, but uh, yeah, it's the weight and gold pretty much down here. They're, they're not cheap, but um, they're beautiful, weed-tasting things. But um, yeah, I'll be looking to try and get my hands on some of them uh, early next season. So for for Nelson listeners uh, in particular, um, you know their prodigal son is returning home. I, I guess a whole lot of them would like to come and meet you at the airport and that, and that sort of that, that thing. In fact, you're playing in Blenheim, aren't you? And Blenheim people, Nelson will be going over the hill if they're allowed. Uh, Blenheim people as well uh, will want to welcome you home. So uh, uh, are you are you openly going to be uh, there or are you going to sneak in? Um, no, I'm openly going to be there, mate. I, I think I don't know. That's the special thing about NPC, you know, like I. I was like we been up to Taranaki for Tasman, and I went up there and I get heckled at and words thrown at me, and I think you know you just got to take it with a grain of salt. It's the the supporters are passionate. I'm sure you know there's a lot of people in Tasman that still message me best of luck, and you know uh, I'm sure when I pull that Southland jersey on 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 the weekend against Tasman, then those words might change for 80 minutes. But you know <laughs> I, I've always loved Tasman. Um, like it's a team that. Like I, I openly say, I'm, I'm for Marco. Um, obviously, not playing for them at the moment, or probably won't possibly do it again. But you know, I'll support the Marco any other week of the year, other than this week. Um, and I guess the best result for me would be Tasman wins the the premiership and, and Southland wins the championship, and I'd be a happy man. So, um, but yeah, I won't be. I won't be trying to hide in Blenheim. I'll be out. I'll talk to anyone that wants to talk to me. And yeah, like I, I, I just still love the region, but. Um, at the moment, obviously down down here in Invercargill. There are websites with your name on it. There are, I mean, Marty Banks. I mean, what's it like living life as a cult figure, mate? <laughs> a cult figure, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm a cult figure. It's just that, that Facebook page is, I mean, um, yeah, he's probably more famous than I am, to be fair. But it is crazy. Like, coming from recent, and all I ever did was idolise rugby players, like, DC, I grew up idolising him, or before him it was Mertz, and then, uh, you know, to meet DC and meet Mertz and play against DC, I'm just, I still pinch myself every day, you know, it's um, it, it's pretty crazy that, you know, 15 years ago, all I wanted to do was be in this position, I never ever thought I'd ever be in this position, you know, it's sort of just a lofty sort of goal, I guess, and then to be here and putting uh, it against some of the best players in the world is, you know, it's pretty surreal, and like, I know at the end of the day, it's going to, it's going to finish up and it'll be a memory at the end, but to be creating memories and whether it's a win or a loss, like I take um, pleasure from every game I get to play in because it is, it is a privilege and um, it's, it's an experience that I'll get to cherish for the rest of my career, but um, it'll create memories that I can hold, hold for a long time. Just, just finally, um, as uh, we say goodbye, mate, um, and wish you all the best, uh, for this weekend in particular and for what's coming up throughout the, the next part of your your rugby chapter. Just tell us what's going to be going through your mind when you're under that first high ball that goes up this weekend and uh, you know who's coming at you. What's going to be going through your mind? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's one thing uh, Tasman's probably got. They've got, got quite a few big bodies. And, uh, I know <laughs> probably they'll be, they'll be sending Lester and I think Levi Moore and they got the big BGM winger, um, Jim or uh, Tim. I think they may be calling. I actually haven't met him personally, but yeah, I know there'll be some big bodies coming my way, and I think um, you know I'm prepared for that. And 
I've opted for those big bodies to come away. It always haven't come off on the right side of it. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's just going to add to it, you know. Like, I think the challenge, you know, the challenge itself and a situation like that's coming up is, is sort of why I play footy. And um, it is going to be a massive challenge and, and uh, one I'm excited for and able to take the knocks. I'm sure everything's not going to go my way in the game, but um, I'll keep beating, getting back up and, and uh, keep chopping on. Good on you, mate. Southland, Tasman, this Sunday in Blenheim. Uh, it'll be a must-watch, a real crunch game, and uh, we'll think of you, uh, particularly after what we've been hearing this morning, mate. Uh, all the best for that and uh, for what's coming up, eh? Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Yeah. Marty Banks, what a character, and uh, man, probably the one of the most well-known names in New Zealand rugby, to be fair. Uh, it is. It's, the Marty Banks name is just so damn well-known, and nice to see him back uh, playing uh, in our competitions, and then, of course, heading to the Highlanders. 10.20 here on, on SENZ. We're nearly at the time where we invite the panel to join us. And this morning, that's uh, Hugh Bainan and Guy Havelt. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Well, today's panel comprises Hugh Bainan, of course, uh, and Guy Havelt. Uh, and uh, I'm really looking forward to your opinion on this one, Guy. Uh, I got all excited yesterday uh, for Auckland people in particular. The uh, NPC uh, Auckland-based or perimeter teams are allowed to resume training, and then I read the fine print, uh, and I quickly is not that excited as I once was. So what do you make of the rules? Uh, look, I, I... Yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole... The whole situation that we're in is pretty disappointing. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I just don't know how they can fairly run a competition. I suppose when um, when Auckland teams uh, are, are left so far behind, um, I, I kind of struggle with that. I know they've got to run something a little bit, but I, I just, yeah, I just feel a little bit for those teams. And um, you know, after the highs of, of, and I'm a Cantabrian, and I'm about to say this, but after the highs of where Auckland rugby's got to. Uh, in the last few years, to kind of see it go a little bit, a little bit backwards, uh, and, and not through nothing of their own, no fault of their own, uh, I feel for them a little bit, and uh, yeah, a little bit disappointed. Well, I, it, and it's an interesting one too, guy, because you know the thing about rugby training is there is contact. Uh, you do pass the ball, uh, and you know you you get that feeling of the physicality of it, but there's none of that. I mean, you can't even share the same rugby ball. Uh, you've got to stay two meters apart. Uh, what do you get out of that? Well, I, I would even go one step further than that and, and say, safety-wise, how can you expect these guys to go through no training where they can't, uh, where they can't be full-on contact, and then essentially go into games where, yeah, it's 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 provincial rugby, and I mean that with all due respect. It's, it's not as you know as intense as say a test match or super rugby or something but it's still pretty brutal you know i wouldn't want to be running at many of those guys or any of those guys uh at full mm-hmm. tilt and getting in a ruck with them and you know you need weeks for your body to prepare for that and if they're not able to do that and then you're thrust into a game situation having just thrown the ball around for a little bit um yeah i i i, I even worry about the safety aspect again it's not really even new zealand rugby's fault it's just um it's just the way things are at the moment and I would say that I think it's a little bit, a little bit heavy-handed from the government, a little bit over the top. I do think that, that you know, if, if they can prove on maybe a daily basis that these guys that they get negative tests or whatever, then why can't they train together? Their livelihoods as I'm well. I'm a bit like that. But I'm a bit like that, Hugh. Um, 
it's a, a little bit, in the old days we used to call it Clayton's when it was not really a, a, a drink. This is really a, a bit of a Clayton's competition. Do you, do you feel that, those three Auckland provinces? Yeah, I do. Uh, and just quickly to you know what you guys were just discussing, I think from a sporting point of view, it's very disappointing. Similar feeling to Guy. I'm not in Auckland. I'm down here in Nelson. You know, we've got to see the Marco and uh, doing their thing as well. Um, so, you know, I guess I haven't felt the full brunt of the effects. And I also can't pretend to feel how an Aucklander feels right now, being stuck inside for the last you know, however many days, weeks now. Um, I guess from the government's point of view, they're probably thinking, well, right now there's bigger things than a rugby competition going on in the world that we're hoping to get around, out the other side of so we can all get back to playing proper competitions at home and away, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, hopefully in a year's time, it'll be a distant memory, um, the fact that these rules have come in and we, and we might not, and, you know, the Auckland teams have been disadvantaged. That's the hope, obviously. So I can see why they've gone that way. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, does the competition have the same meaning, Smithy, without the Auckland side? Of course it doesn't, you know, and, I, and I'm not just saying that from an Auckland point of view. I think it wouldn't have the same meaning if any of the teams weren't involved. Um, it'd be better if Canterbury weren't there, of course. Um, but otherwise, I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty... Um, it's going to have an asterisk next to it, whatever, as is every single sporting competition around the world at the moment. Yeah. Speaking, yeah. Of, which, uh, speaking of which, Hugh, can I go to uh, the NBA now? And what have you made... Uh, and read about in terms of uh, vaccinations, COVID vaccinations, and the NBA competition, and and uh, the rules and things that are going to uh, apply around that. It's a really tough one because scale it down a whole heap, and I'm in a similar situation as I work on the New Zealand NBL, the South NBL here, and so our discussions have begun, you know, in the in the NBL head office about you know, this is going to be a conversation we have to have around vaccinations. I think a lot of competitions around the world are hoping that the decisions are made for them, as we've seen with Ty Webster having to leave the breakers because the breakers can't travel in and out of Victoria unless everyone is vaccinated. So the decision was made for them. The NBA have for so long and so impressively been at the forefront of social change and and making big calls uh, around world sport I kind of expected them to do it here. I kind of expected the NBA to come out and be like, you have to be vaccinated if you want to play in the NBA. That hasn't happened. And now things are getting cloudy. You've got, you know, uh, I'm going to call them it. You've got Fruit Loops like Kyrie Irving out there who is all over the conspiracy theory uh, internet, you know, and he's vice president of the NBA Players Association. So he's causing a whole heap of trouble in there. Former players like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar coming in saying, you know, in my opinion, quite sensibly, you you should have to be vaccinated. You shouldn't be allowed to play if you aren't vaccinated. So you've got former players battling current players. I see LeBron James came out, said he is vaccinated, but stopped there, didn't go so far as to say everyone should be. So it's uh, it's messy, Smithy. And we're going to see it in every competition from the South NBL in New Zealand right to the top of everything. We're going to see this being a huge topic of discussion for the next 12 months. Well, I'll ask your opinion on it, Guy, too, about um, whether it should be compulsory or, or not, or uh, why are there people reluctant to do it? Uh, we're going to take a news break here with uh, Trudy and more from the panel shortly. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Guy Havelt and Hugh Bainan with us this morning on the panel. And uh, Guy, I've got to put it to you, should it be a prerequisite? to be able to play in a team sport or any sport at a decent level, a COVID jab? Uh, well, my 
personal opinion is, is yes, and, and that's purely because I, I just want the world to get back to normal. I want pe- people to be healthy, and the science says that uh, all these vaccines are safe. And, um, you know, I, 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 you just got to read the science and you've got to try and block out the noise of all the, all the and I'll call them crazies, all the crazies out there who don't want the vaccine. Um, but look, in, in, in all reality, I don't think you can possibly make it compulsory because... Uh, when it comes down to it, you know, it's people's choice. Uh, if they don't want it, they don't have to have it. I don't think we can force them to have it. And I think if we do go down that path of forcing players to have it, and, and we've seen it, I don't know if the breakers, well, they didn't force Ty Webster to try and have it, but they said, you know, if you are to play for us, we're going to need you to have it because of, uh, you know, uh, local government rules over in Australia. Um, you know, if you if you start forcing players to have it, well, I think you start looking at, at legal ramifications, and I suspect that we'll be seeing a lot of that uh, certainly in the next 12 to, to 18 months. So I think this is going to come become a massive issue in terms of the courthouse and, and sports people, whatever, taking sports teams to court um, because they've lost their contracts or whatever because they didn't want to get vaccinated. I think everyone should be vaccinated, absolutely, but, um, you know, in reality, not everyone is going to be and, and it's going to become a, a bit of a pitfall in the next in the next few years. Uh, Hugh, uh, the Tall Ferns are actually in competition at the moment. Uh, tell us about this competition and... Uh, they had a win, I think, uh, overnight, but they've got a big one coming up this uh, in the next day or so. Yeah, they had a big win over India last night, the Tall Ferns. Great to see. I mean, they haven't played the game of basketball, the Tall Ferns, since November 2019, given the way of the world. So it's been a huge effort to get them out to Jordan, where they are. And actually, on the vaccination note, they weren't allowed into Jordan unless they could all provide proof of vaccination. So I think we're going to see countries doing that well, that will affect sport, of course. Um, yeah, so the Torpons are out there. They, they had a tough group. They had to go up against Korea and Olympic semi-finalist Japan. Uh, went down close in a close one to Japan. Knocked off India last night by 60. Uh, and now it sets up mouth-watering one against Australia in an elimination game uh, tonight at 2 a.m. live on Maldi TV. OK, uh, Hugh, All Black uh, team naming this afternoon. Um, what what uh, are you expecting? And are you expecting anything at all different from the Springboks? From the Springboks, no. And this has been a huge topic of discussion among, I'm sure, most people's mates over the last week, right? I went, I was lucky enough uh, to go to the pub and watch it uh, last week with some mates down here and everyone's booing and, you know, I'm come and bored with the Springboks playing. Now, remember, I'm coming from, I grew up in Wales, you know, with a Welsh father, so I, you know, I do lean red when it comes to the oval ball. Um, and I'm sitting there going, well, hey, what do you want them to do? Chuck the ball around and lose by 30? And everyone's like, yes. <laughs> I was like, they're trying to win a game, you know? So I can't see much happening. What I keep changing from the Springboks' point of view, I can see the All Blacks countering it a lot better than they did. You know, there's so many handling errors, so I think we might see a change in midfield. I'm not sure. Guy will know uh, of the status of Anton Lennon-Brown right now. I'd like to see him back um, with sticky hands. You know, um, interesting to see what they do with um, with George Bridge after obviously not a great performance. Uh, I did like Blackadder at seven, though. Okay, here we go, Guy. Um, you've got your finger pretty close to on the pulse, even though they're overseas. What are you hearing? What are you suspecting? Well, I mean, he was only ruled out relatively late last week, wasn't he, Anton Leonard-Brown? So I wouldn't be surprised if a week later uh, he is okay to play. He he would slot straight into that midfield with um, with David Havili, wouldn't he? And, and then you'd just shift, I think you'd shift Rico Ioane and, and take the place of George Bridge, and then you've got a pretty solid-looking back line there. Uh, the other question, I, really, I suppose, is, is whether Richie Maunga 
uh, would then come into the starting lineup. Mm. I'm not sure whether they'll do that, considering he's just got out of MIQ and that sort of thing um, over in Australia. So I suspect he'll probably come off the bench and they'll stick with Barrett at 10. Uh, in terms of the box, I'm, I'm exactly the same as you. Um, it was bloody boring, but at the same time, why would you try anything else when you know that's the best chance you have of beating the All Blacks? We'll see the same from them again. Uh, I think we'll see a marked improvement from the All Blacks, and I think this will be a, a very different test in the scoreline anyway. I think the All Blacks, are a week of, of knowing the way that the Springboks will play, the All Blacks will, will, will counter that a lot better, uh, and I suspect that this might be 20-plus the margin between the two teams, and, and we'll see a much better All Blacks performance. And yeah, I, I, do, I do think uh, it'll, be, it'll be Anton Leonard-Brown in the midfield with... Uh, with um, with uh, David Havili. But in saying that, I didn't actually think that Quintu Paya played that badly the other night. I think he was he was pretty solid in that All Blacks back line. But I think when you've got someone like Leonard Brown waiting there and, and, and hopefully fit, uh, you've got to find a place for him. And it, and it seems logical that he just slots into the starting lineup in the midfield. Uh, Guy, I, I know you're, you're probably your preferences for rugby over league, but I, I've got to ask you this. Uh, if this is Benji Marshall's uh, last hurrah, how will you remember Benji Marshall... Uh, win, lose or draw for the South this weekend? Well, it's funny. Rugby usually is ahead of league for me, but the other night I actually put the league on my phone while everyone else was watching the rugby because I was so bored. And uh, the last 40 minutes of that, of that Penrith-Melbourne game was, was some of the best uh, sport I've seen in the last six months. But that's beside the point. It was, it was superb. Uh, look, Benji Marshall, um, I... I it's remarkable to me, really, that a guy at what is he said? Is he thirty-six, something like that? Uh, can can still be can still find a way to to get his body up to scratch in one of the more grueling competitions in in world sport and perform the way that he has. Uh, I I don't know. Look, I, I was going to say I don't know if he gets enough credit in New Zealand. I think he probably does, actually, on reflection. But uh, I think we just need to appreciate kind of career that he's had 19 seasons I think it is uh he made the grand final did did what he did for the Tigers back in 2005 uh we're now here in 2021 and the guy is running out for another grand final at 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 the ripe old age of, of you know late 30s uh it's 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 absolutely unbelievable and uh, that'd be the story for me if he was to go out uh, an NRL winner, and, and maybe, and he hasn't ruled he rules, hasn't ruled out keeping going himself, but and maybe what would be his last season? Uh, I think that would be one of the great rugby league stories in New Zealand history. Smithy, has he, uh, has he had... I'm not a sorry, Smithy. I'm, I'm yeah. not a league guy, as you know at all, really. Um, and like I said, I grew up in the UK, but I can tell you when we were mucking around with a rugby ball. In the UK, like in my early teens, and we threw it out the back pass or did a sidestep, we'd yell Benji. I'm not entirely sure we knew who he was, <laughs> but we'd seen the highlights, and like we were saying Benji Marshall, uh, the other side of the world back then. That's how much of a legend this guy has been. Well, there's two things that amaze me there. You were, you were actually passing it, and you were thinking about a sidestep. That just doesn't <laughs> marry for me. That, that, that doesn't marry for me with Welsh rugby. Uh, Fellas, fantastic uh, chat this morning We await uh, with interest that All Black naming this afternoon I'm not sure they're going to veer away from too much uh, What they had last week It was good enough to beat them up front So uh, I think they'll go again there So thank you very much uh, Guy Havelt And uh, Hugh Bainan of course That uh, Welsh superstar uh, For being on the panel this morning Uh, Great, Uh, we'll take a short break When we come back, your calls, your texts uh, Will be welcome 
Uh, what do you think about the All Black uh, makeup? It's only uh, a couple of hours away from from hearing the team officially. Um, that for me is interesting. And if you've got an opinion, uh, should it be compulsory? Should it be compulsory if you want to play serious team sport to be vaccinated? Simple as that. It's an issue. It's going to be another issue. I can promise you that. Uh, Ten forty-two. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, 10.47 it is as well. Um, MIQ updates. Uh, some people have been lucky and some have not. Uh, Michael Venus, I see, the uh, Kiwi Olympic medalist in the tennis. Uh, very highly rated doubles player as well around the world is considering legal action against the government after trying for months to return to New Zealand, only to be left frustrated with the country's managed isolation and quarantine system. Uh, the 33-year-old hasn't seen his family in months, having been uh, competing on the ATP Tour either side of his game's success on our behalf uh, way back in July. So uh, he's uh, added his voice to the growing chorus of those unhappy with the COVID-19 booking system, uh, with the latest room release on Tuesday, seeing as many as 30,000 queuing virtually for 3,800 spots. But Better news, John. Better news for Ryan Fox because we heard his plight uh, and he's got lucky. He's uh, able to come home, uh, which is going to mean that his uh, golfing uh, season is curtailed in uh, the PGA. He'll be playing in the Dunhill uh, tournament uh, this weekend uh, in Scotland. But uh, I would imagine he's going to play with a lot uh, happier attitude that may reflect in his scoring. Yeah, knows that he's coming home, knows that he's got his tour card for next year. So he got lucky, Smithy. Man, it's crazy being on social media during those lotteries, watching 30,000 people on social media just either being delighted or gutted. Um, like uh, Braden Curry, the Maldi sporter, we talked to his Ooh. wife. Um, he got a ticket. He'll be coming home for Christmas, which is cool for him, but Hayden Wilde, who also does multi-sport, didn't get a ticket and will not be home until May next year now, Smithy. So that's the fine line. 30,000 people going for 3,000 spots and some win and some lose. So, yeah, real fine line. And just quickly, Smithy, um, Argentina. Argentina have somehow crossed the border from Queensland to New South Wales they went to Byron Bay. This is eight uh, players and staff, including their captain, Julio Montoya. And now they're stuck in New South Wales and they may not be able to play against the Wallabies this weekend. This is a potential disaster. I think they're going to make a, um, a press conference or announce something in the next hour or so. But why were they allowed to leave Queensland and what were they doing? This is a bizarre story. And did they know they went? Did the, did the hierarchy know that they went? They must have known the rules. They must have known the, uh, the fact that if they went, they couldn't get back. Uh, and and even if they got back, they'd have to quarantine again interstate. Um, what is what has happened there? That that is just bizarre, unbelievable story. Uh, Ten fifty here on SENZ. More on that uh, throughout the day. Interesting development. So uh, the All Blacks uh, might be playing the main game, uh, and there might not be a curtain raiser. That that's uh, what could eventually happen on the Gold Coast this weekend. Louis Herman, what next? And uh, our visit with uh, Paul Mawati from the TAB. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. 
Yeah, good morning to uh, Louis Herman Watt, uh, loveracing.nz. Busy uh, two or three days coming up, and particularly in the thoroughbred code, uh, because, of course, it's Group 1 day here in Hastings. Weather's a little overcast today, but at least it's not raining. Good, goodish track, I'll say, goodish track. Uh, race, big race day uh, tomorrow at Tarapa as well, Louis, uh, with some good stakes on offer there. Uh, but they're running around today in Waverley, and now Waverley has got one of the most beautiful little boutique courses I've ever driven past. You never stopped into there? No, I've never actually stopped in Waverley. Often tempted to have a nice cup of tea there or whatever, but it is a beautiful little race course. Always looks dapper. Yeah, you're dead right. It is. It, uh, it's got and it's got some local trainers around the area that really know how to train. But the CD trainers, they they kind of sometimes, and they, I think they quite like to go under the radar. But they seriously, they notch up some good stakes. And when the money's on, it's usually for a reason. So a couple today. Chrissy Vanbury's got a runner in the third called this third time around. $17 into 10, into 9, into 8. Now, the Banbury crew, they don't merely miss a few, and they've been going really, really well. And um, then, oh, how's this? Bill Thurlow, not a brass razor. $26 to 15s to 13s. That's in race two. The money is on there for a couple of locals. And the other one the cash is on in that race is Sergio for Chrissy Banbury. Sean, uh, Sam O'Malley, sorry doing the riding eight dollars in to four fifty and then in race five the bgp colors go around today princess biddy who actually had a super debut in the wanganui guineas for chris bambury 360 into 240 with a couple of scratchings and a horse dreadlock holiday in there as well love that name and charlotte o'burn claiming too that's got to be a proper chance so some good racing smithy and then you pointed out tomorrow at tarapa i mean it's hard to get i've got i'm I've got my eyes to Saturday already because of the Group 1 racing, but tomorrow at Tarapa, we've got proper Group 1 horses going around. You know, your likes of your Savion Blancs. Um, I was hoping we are going to see Gold Watch, but we don't. We've got Ocean Billy, though, Cheval Promoteur, Communique, who had an awesome day the first day down there in uh, Hawke's Bay. So it is a huge weekend. What are you excited for? I'm excited um, because I'm just about to cross the Paul Mawadi at the TAB, and that always gets me excited. Thanks for your input this morning. Uh, Louis, uh, Paul, is, this is being a Thursday. Do we nominate our uh, our show bet for the weekend today? That's exactly what we do, Smitty. That's right. Uh, and, and you were the champion last weekend, tipping out the All Blacks to win by a one to twelve at around, I think it was around three dollars and twenty cents. Uh, so mm-hmm. superb tipping by you last week. We're hoping that you can continue on uh, those winning ways. So I, I hope you've got a good one for us. Well, I have. I've got a good returning one, uh, if it uh, comes to fruition, of course. I'm steering away from the All Blacks this weekend. I'm not quite sure about this game. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton. Tyrrell Hatton, of course, uh, a member of the European Ryder Cup team, which was so disappointing, and he was disappointed in his own performance. I think he'll bounce back at the Dunhill, uh, course this, uh, the Dunhill tournament this week. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Just three sleeps away, folks. Three sleeps away from the NRL Grand Final on a Sunday uh, from the Panthers taking on the Rabbitohs. Uh, two Sydney sides, of course, are going at it uh, up in Queensland, which is a little bit rare and a little bit historic in its own right, isn't it? But I'm sure the feeling will be there. 
Uh, we're joined now by former Rabbitoh, uh, Jimmy Smith. Now, Jimmy is also uh, one of our SEN brothers in Sydney, does the afternoon show over there. Jimmy played 150 first-grade games around the world, really, 48 uh, for the Rabbitohs. So nice to get a, a, a Russell Crowe-type perspective on proceedings coming up this weekend. Uh, Jimmy, good morning to you. Uh, what's the feel around Sydney? Two Sydney teams, uh, but taking part uh, up in Queensland. Is it, is it quite unique in that regard? G'day, Uncle Ian. How are you, Cuz? I haven't spoken to you for a long time, hey? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's that fa- that family reunion. You know, it's being held. It's been put on hold. So all all you've all your uh, cousins over here are, are, are really looking forward to seeing you um, because it's been a while, mate, and your generosity and the fact that you're bankrolling the whole, fa- whole affair uh, <laughs> has been noted. It's going to be good. Hey, Ian, I've been... Uh, mate, I've, I've, I've played cricket all my life. I'm a massive fan of uh, you, your, your cricketing work, and obviously your, uh, your work as a broadcaster. So uh, a privilege to speak to you, mate. Yeah, it's... It is so different here in old Sydney town. You know, we are into it as much as we can. Um, it's it's too really... Well, South Sydney's the, the very proud club. A rich history, an amazing an amazing past. And, and what people like Russell Crowe and Peter Holmes Court and now James Packer and Blake Solly and Shane Richardson, they, they've made it a really bright future for South Sydney as well. So... Um, that's really exciting for all those. They were long-suffering until 2014, but to, for them to go back into the grand final now is really exciting. And this Penrith, this Penrith team's almost a little bit precocious about how talented they are. There's so many local juniors in the side. They've got a rich nursery out there, and, and, and people love their rugby league time, uh, team. They're a powerhouse in every sense. They're commercially a powerhouse now as well, and uh, it's a meeting of two great Sydney sides. It's just weird that it's up at... Suncorp Stadium. And that is confirmed. Do we, do we know uh, what's the latest uh, news on after this COVID, latest COVID scare in Brisbane on the venue, etc.? Latest is that it's at Suncorp Stadium. Anastasia Palaszczuk has been a great supporter of the game and indeed the game would not have been able to go ahead probably last year, but certainly this year, if we didn't get the support of the Queensland Government. So she's maintaining that support. There was only one COVID positive to 8pm yesterday, so that's that's a positive. Um, no pun intended there. Um, there is Plan B. There's probably Plan C as well. Maybe Eden Park's Plan D, but um, let's hope that it doesn't get to that point because it's, commercially it's obviously been crippling the last couple of years for all sports, but certainly for the NRL. The last thing they need is when they get a chance to get a sold-out grand final at, at the beautiful Suncorp Stadium and they have to go and move it. Uh, Jimmy... Uh... Before we get on to uh, the playing aspect of it on, uh, on uh, Sunday, what about the coaching aspect of it? Uh, the two personalities involved. Now, you know, uh, let's look at, at that battle because uh, Wayne Bennett won, had uh, the points victory in the first round, didn't he? Yeah, sure did. 15-9 is their head-to-head record over, over long careers for both coaches. Well, there's no longer than, than Wayne. He's just a marvel. After 34 straight years as coach in an NRL team, he's going to... Uh, give it away this year. He might be back in 2023. Uh, that's how in demand the, the 71-year-old is. So uh, for him to do what he's done, I think it reinforces Smithy. And, you know, it's, you've been along cricket sides and 
Um, it's funny. I was talking to a mate of mine who I played with at the Roosters yesterday, and and he happened to be a, he's now in the sports fitness industry, and he happened to be around the Manly Seagulls as they were doing a weight session, and he said, you know, it's 30 years since he played, and he said it's it it was like it was yesterday, and and the conversations they were having, and the music might have been a little bit different, but you know, it, it was so familiar to him. So people are the same, aren't they? I mean. The training has changed. The techniques may have changed a little. Certainly, the the media interest and the uh, uh, the coverage of the game has changed dramatically. But essentially, humans are the same, and that's Wayne's greatest strength. He gets the best out of people, individuals, and teams, no matter who they are—the young, the old, and everything in between—and and that's his great strength. Up against Ivan Cleary, who you know had success as a player at the Warriors, had success. Uh, almost the ultimate success as a coach at the Warriors, and and now he's got a a, a team out there. As I mentioned, they're so laden with talent. They've got the great nursery there. A lot of them have come through that. They've been able to put in place some others that that complement the jigsaw. They've probably been the best side in the competition over the last couple of years, and that's with due respect to the Melbourne Storm. And just for a further layer of intrigue on this one, Ian, he's actually coaching his son in the grand final again. And his son's not just a, you know, there to make up the numbers. His son is one of the great players in the league and will be pivotal for Penrith on Sunday. If we look at those two semi-finals and, and can we take anything out of those in terms of looking forward to this Sunday? Uh, there they were, the Rabbitohs look fresh. They look exciting. They had plenty of points in them. Penrith are, are bouncing back off a really hard, an epic type uh, uh, semi-final uh, or playoff match in, in that regard. Uh, do they have it in them again to come back and, and compete with the Rabbitohs, or, or would you regard the Rabbitohs as favourites here? Uh, there's a couple of schools of thought on this one, and you, you've summed it up really nicely. Tough game week one, these two sides played. Rabbitohs get home 16 points to 10. They get a week off, then they come out, and they were just too good for Manly. Manly played some, made some errors, and, and the South Sydney class shone through. And in, in a performance that was good, it wasn't wasn't great. It wasn't as good as the week before or the two weeks before when they, they beat Penrith, but it was good enough to well and truly get them into the grand final. Penrith, on the other hand, they rolled the dice and didn't rest their players in round 25. Thought they might be minor premiers. That fell short. So then they had to play first week. They lost that game. That wasn't in their plans. They thought they were going to get the week off the next week. Instead, they end up playing Parramatta. Talk about an epic semi-final. That was 8-6. That score throughout the entire second half, and they fall over the line in that one, much controversy around it. And then they have to front up against the great Melbourne Storm and the scoreline's 10-6 in another knock-em-down, drag-em-out battle. You know, history says that that has to have an impact on them. But just maybe it's the type of footy that the Panthers have to play to recognise, OK, we can, do, we can do this against anyone at any time and we are now ready to win this, semi-final, uh, win this grand final. And, of course, um, a lot of the Penrith players uh, know what it's like to lose one, and that makes you hungry, doesn't it? No, no doubt. And history says that. You know, there's so many times throughout the course of history where teams lost one either the year before or, or, or a couple of years before and, and go back and make amends for that. Um, I, I don't think they... I, you know, if you're using it as motivation throughout the course of the year, they probably think they're going to Melbourne. You know, they probably think they're playing Melbourne um, it's a little bit different to be playing South Sydney. And, and this is where the Bennett mastery is. You know, this is, and, and, and the bookmakers say that, um, based on the prices, that if this game's played 100 times, that Penrith win it 
55 times and the Rabbitohs win it 45 times. Or roughly. That's what, that's what the bookmakers are saying. But you just know that Wayne Bennett, South Sydney Rabbitohs are going to be primed for the game of their life. Um, there's so many storylines running through it. The fact that Latrell Mitchell's not there, but he's replaced by this young kid that basically hasn't missed a beat since he's gone in there. Adam Reynolds is playing his last game. Cody Walker is one of the elite players in the competition. And Benji Marshall is potentially saying goodbye in the best possible way. You just know they're going to play well, and you think that might have an impact on, on the way the game plays out as well. Yeah, Benji Marshall is a great story, obviously, from our point of view. 16 years after winning one with the Tigers, uh, he's back, and uh, he could end up being quite instrumental in, the, in how this pans out. Well, especially with the injury to Adam Reynolds, and we don't know how severe that is. Benji came on last week, and, 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 and that's the thing with Benji. You know, he, he was this precocious talent. He was, there he was out at a mate's 21st on the night of the 2005 grand final, the night beforehand. He was at a mate's 21st. He came home after midnight and was eating McDonald's. Like, it's just, it just didn't. Yeah, oh, by the way, we've got a grand final. Oh, that's okay. I'll go out there and throw a flick pass and... I'll provide one of the iconic moments in the history of grand finals and, and we'll win uh, our first grand final on 20 years of age. Yeah, I can do that. No problem. Um, it's a very different Benji Marshall this day and age and, and he's now married and had children and uh, he talks about that a lot and the impact that that's had on his life. But um, he's such a competitor, such a, uh, a perfectionist um, and so experienced now. You know, he, he knows that where he went right and where he went wrong and he passes that on to everyone else and, he, he would get everyone. He's he's a real ambassador now. He's he's one of these guys. Whether he retires or not, you know, he's got he's got uh, a very bright career in the media. He speaks beautifully. Uh, he's he's a pinup when it comes to a sponsorship point of view. Because you know, I, I was talking to Craig Wing the other day, Smitty, and you know, he's a very good player in his own right, Craig Wing. And I was talking about Benji, and and. Um, I said, you know, there was a period of time there across maybe two generations where every kid down at the park wanted to do the Benji Marshall sidestep, you know, and that's just the impact that he has. And he said, no, no, it wasn't just the kids. It was us at training. We'd be there playing touch footy before training and say, hey, we'll do the Benji step. So, you know, that's the impact this guy had on, on the league and, and everything beyond it. He's amazing. Uh, the other uh, interesting point from uh, a Kiwi point of view, and I suppose you still... Would you claim Russell Crowe at this time of the year as one of yours, do you? As you know, is he? Is he? Is he? How many Academy Awards has he won? <laughs> one. If he's won yeah. one, he's us. He's one of us. If he's been nominated yeah. but hasn't won, he's one of you. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much for that. Uh, he's a nominated. He's a nominated hero uh, in South's country, of course, because he, he he owns the he owns the franchise, but. Uh, one of the other things of interest that uh, we can look forward to is Isaac Luke. Uh, he's going to ring the foundation bell for South on Sunday. This is, uh, this is quite a good story. Tell it, enlighten us a wee bit on, on the history of this. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things. Here's Appy Coruscant, who's playing in his third grand final, the hooker for the Penrith Panthers. And, of course, Appy got the opportunity, I think it was his ninth or tenth NRL game that Isaac Luke missed the grand final in 2014 because he was out suspended for the prelim against the Roosters. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was an illegal tackle. And so the great Isaac Luke, and, and in his time, uh, and there was a period of about five or six years there in the league, and, and he was a very different player to Cameron Smith, but they were the two elite hookers in the game. And, and he was a, a, a runner. Um, he was 
bulldog strong um, and just one of these really vibrant personalities that, that everyone liked to follow, a bit like the, the Brandon Smith type personality. And, and unfortunately, he didn't play in the grand final win. Um, and, and I know he and Russell uh, were very close and are very close. And we had the, the legendary Bob McCarthy ringing the bell out there in 2014 for South Sydney World. To see Isaac Luke do it, um, it's a little bit of a... Uh, it's probably not in Isaac's eyes, but a little bit of a, a make-up from missing the grand final in 2014. And you get to be an important part of it in 2021. Uh, where will you be uh, watching it? Are you, are you involved uh, in some media capacity or are you, you uh, able to watch it with just uh, an, an open book? Yeah, mate. It, for the first time in years, I'm not calling the grand final um, because it's being played up in, in Brisbane. It's our Queensland call team that is going to do it on SEN and you'll hear that on NRL Nation and um, you know they're, they're all excited about that. And so um, we're in lockdown here in Sydney Town, so... I'll be at home with my wife and children and we'll be enjoying the grand final from the lounge. It's, it'll be a little bit weird, but in effect, mm. it's, I've, got a, I've got an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old and a 7-year-old, a boy-boy-girl. And the 11-year-old is absolutely sports mad, um, loves his rugby league, loves, loves all sports, watches anything, but um, he's, he's super excited about it. He, he's a, Having he's a Roosters fan, but now that the Roosters are out, he, he wears the uh, Rabbitohs jersey around too. So he'll have that on on Sunday, and and that'll be great to watch the game with the family. Tip us into it then, Jimmy. Tip us into it. The longer the week's gone on, Smitty, the more the more I've I've felt South Sydney. The more that you know there was there's the injury concern. I think Tavita Pangai is a huge loss for Penrith, underestimated by how much of a leader he's become in a very short space of time there. I think Fisher-Harris is struggling with injury. He's playing less and less minutes. And then the guys that are coming in, Moses Leota and Spencer Linu, they haven't played much. So you've got this situation where you've got these forwards for Penrith who have played the extra game and done all this extra tackling. And then there's the important middle forwards and they haven't got enough game time in them. So it's a, it's a really interesting one that Ivan Cleary has to use there. They've been great, Penrith. They've, and it would be heartbreaking for them to lose two grand finals on the trot. But the longer it goes, the more settled the South Sydney side is. The Reynolds injury is a, is a, a concern, especially around goal kicking. But um, the, more I, the more I feel the, the sense of confidence coming out of that South Sydney camp, the, the more I know that they'll be ready on the day. And I'm leaning slightly towards the Rabbitohs. Good on you. Okay, Jimmy Willow. Um, just a say hello to the kids, uh, your three kids for us. Tell them uh, Uncle Ian sends his best. Uh, and the Christmas presents um, uh, are uh, they're on order, put it that way, and they'll be there in time for Christmas, OK? All sorts of delays around international shipping at the moment. I totally understand, Ian. OK, thank you. And uh, all your relations over here uh, say hello as well, Jimmy. <laughs> I love them all. I love them all, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope you do, and I'm genuine in that. Hey, mate, thanks. In all serious, uh, seriousness, thank you very much for your input. Uh, to our show this morning. Good luck uh, with yours this afternoon. And, uh, hey, enjoy the grand final. For once, enjoy it. Relax and enjoy it, man. Uh, thank you, mate. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, absolutely we will. Good on you. Jimmy Smith there, folks, from uh, SEN in Sydney. He does the afternoon show. Rugby League caller, of course, uh, sitting this one out because of COVID restrictions. Uh, but uh, a fine man and uh, a real good history with Souths as well. Um, and uh, he'll be watching 
uh, with a lot of interest and uh, I guess from Russell Crowe's point of view and uh, uh, there isn't a New Zealand attachment there. In fact, uh, at one stage, uh, the late Martin Crowe was on the board of the Rabbitohs uh, as an appointed family representative on behalf of Russell there. Uh, he did at least two or three uh, years on the, at the board of the Rabbitohs. So there's a real Kiwi connection there, just not on the field either. Uh, it's 11.20 here on SENZ. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Get Nasser on the phone. He is in another orbit. Lazarus does it again. SENZ is pacing for purpose. Thanks to Harness Racing New Zealand. Well, we got up last week. We got up last week. That's what I liked about that, pacing for purpose. We had $100 to invest because of scratching the previous week. Uh, and Darling Me got up for us, which was an outstanding result. So we're going to Cambridge, um, and this Pacing for pur- Purpose, folks, is uh, it's a competition really uh, amongst the shows uh, in the regard of, of who's uh, got the bragging rights. But uh, any proceeds go to uh, the charities of our choice. And ours on this show, the morning show, uh, is Women's Refuge. So uh, we've done pretty well. We've, we're starting to build up a nice little kitty for uh, the ladies, which is fantastic. And we're going to go to uh, Cambridge race eight um and that is uh, a horse by the name of cyclone lebron cyclone lebron uh, it's number four so uh, we'll be putting our money this week on cyclone lebron uh so get them behind it if you like smithy i've got a little uh got a little write-up here sorry to bust in um about cyclone lebron uh this is the comment given a freshen up scored well in a workout Mm -hmm. last weekend a key player can you break that down for me Oh, right, okay, so given a freshen up, so it's been away from racing for just a little while to go uh, and do something else. I don't know what they do with horses, where they go to the movies or whatever they do, but anyway, it's been some time, it's been some time away from the actual racing to, to freshen up, uh, back and had a score up, which means uh, basically a trial uh, on, the, on the weekend, and uh, it looks like it's come through it pretty well, so uh, favourable, will be a key player, absolutely, will be in the race, and that's what we want it to be, so race eight. Number four, Cyclone LeBron. Speaking of not being in the race, uh, this is an amazing story. The more you read about it, uh, these Pumas uh, leaving the state of Queensland to go to Byron Bay in New South Wales on a trip, on an excursion, non-rugby related, quite clearly. Um, and the players that included, um, who were included, it includes the captain, Julian Montoja, two staff members, including, get this, the man who's responsible for the behaviour of the whole team, uh, and that's the team manager. He's gone as well. Work that out. Is that a, just a, a total rebellion? Is that just a, a flying in the face of somebody? Uh, because uh, it's not going to work. It won't work. It's a bad example. Mate, it's crazy. Like, I know they got left out of the photo shoot the other day, and they were pretty angry about that. They haven't won a game. They've been on the end of some hidings. It was the, coming up to the last game this weekend. But come on, everyone knows that, especially in these COVID times, you can't just pop across the border from Queensland to New South Wales whenever you want, Smithy. So I'm a bit along the lines with you here. When you've got the team manager and the captain involved, they've put the cue in the rack, haven't they? They've just gone, bugger this. We're done with the rugby championship. We've given no respect from Sansa with that photo the other day. We're going to do whatever we want. And hell, hell, if we can't turn up for this last game, we'll bugger them. They can sort it out. Yeah, they're lucky we're here in the first place. That's the attitude I, I kind of get from that. Uh, so that's very, very disappointing. 
Um, the other thing, the, the worst kept secret in town appears to be um, that uh, when it comes to Manu Samoa, or I say Manu Moana Pacifica, in fact, uh, to be more precise about the super side, um, they're going to name Aaron Major as their head coach, and, and that appears a stone cold certainty, doesn't it? Absolutely, Smithy. So we know they're going to be at Mount Smart, and now we know, well, we pretty much know, it's yet to be official, but everyone knows that it is going to be Aaron Major, and I'm glad for Aaron Major. He had three kind of tough years down at the Highlanders, uh, didn't get the results, and then kind of got the flick. I think Tony Brown was kind of hanging around in the background, and the players love Tony Brown, you know, a great Highlanders man, and they'd sent down Aaron Major, clearly Crusaders through and through, and uh, couldn't quite get the results down there. So good to see him get another chance, Smithy, at Super Rugby level because I think he's a good coach. Yeah, he is a good coach. He's a hell of a good guy uh, to deal with, and I don't uh, have an issue with him uh, being the first up because he's non-confrontational, uh, and he'll make sure that that new franchise and those players involved knit together behind the scenes quite nicely, I, I would think. And his support staff too uh, will be very interesting to see what the, they come up with. So, yeah, uh, two really interesting stories there, but uh, the, the Argentinian side of things just blows me out of the water. Uh, it's coming up to 11.30 here on SENZ, and, and you know that uh, is the time for Stump Smithy. 50 bucks worth of TAB vouchers are up for grabs from now. Uh, so light up the lines, 0800 150 811 if you want to take part and be a winner here this morning. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Well, they keep on failing, but they keep on trying. And that I'm talking about Dylan from Central Otago and Elliot from Auckland, uh, who constantly get stumped on Stumped by Smithy. But Dylan, you've got back in first and you're keen for another crack. Yeah, why not, eh? Yeah. Could be in to win. <laughs> Absolutely. Like the Argentinians, eh? You just keep on trying or are you going to just run away across the border and just disappear? Yeah, I might have to after this. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know how the game works. You get three sporting categories, you choose one, then get three questions right, and you win 50 bucks from the TAB. But get one wrong, and you know this oh too well. Smithy comes in and stumps yeah. you. So today, your sports are yeah. boxing, rugby league, and soccer. What are you going to go for? Oh, I'll go rugby league. Rugby league. Nice. Any final words of encouragement, Smithy, for Dylan? Yeah, good luck, mate. I wish you all the best on this occasion. And uh, if it doesn't work out for you, um, well, we might even send you a copy of the rugby news or something of that nature just to keep you happy. But, uh, I mean, I promise you're not going to leave you're not going to leave empty-handed this time around. We're just not that punishing. Uh, thanks for the kind words, Billy. All right, let's get started. Rugby league. You got a team in the grand final? Who do you support, Dylan? Uh, actually, I'm a Shark supporter, but I, uh, I'll probably go um, Panthers, actually. Yep. Yep, fair enough. Sharkies, so that, eh? That's question. It's question one, is it, John? Is one? <laughs> well, for Dylan, it probably should be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no. Got to wait no. for Sunday for the result. Yeah, all right. <laughs> question number one. The South Sydney Rabbitohs are a foundation club of the NRL when the competition was founded in 1908. What year did the Penrith Panthers enter the competition? Oh, I was over there in 93 on a rugby tour. Uh so you visited the club rooms? Yep, yeah, yeah, we stayed there. It was part of our, our first thing rugby tour. We stayed at their club rooms. It was fantastic. Um, um, they must have had Penrith right, Panthers Panthers founded in a year. 
1981. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. No, not correct, Smithy. Chance for a stumbling. John, just go back to me. The, the, the question again was 1908. Yep, so South Sydney, they're a foundation club. They entered the NRL in 1908, or the ARL as it was called back then. But what year did the Penrith Panthers first enter the ARL? 1917. He's got it. He's out caught. Not correct, Smithy. No, it was 1967 for the Penrith Panthers. Founded in 1966, entered the comp in 1967. So still alive, Dylan. Question number two. We've all got one. We've got one. <laughs> well, sort of got one. Yeah. Uh, yeah question yeah, number two. Yeah. Who was the top try scorer in the NRL this year? I think it's the Panthers winger. I can't think of his name. Is it Tongi Atua? Feet everywhere. Master. Body nowhere. And uh, the rest of him on the way back to the pavilion. Not correct. Smithy, do you know who the top try scorer was in the NRL this year? No, I don't. I absolutely don't, but I'll have a stab. Um, I'm going to go for uh, a Melbourne Storm player. Um, and uh, I'm Gagai. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Nah, switch to Dane, De- Dane Gagai. He had the right team, Smithy, the Rabbitohs, but it was Alex Johnston, their winger, with 27 tries. Tom Trebojevic oh. second with 25 tries. So still alive, Dylan. Somehow you're managing right. it. Down yeah. to the last question. <laughs> yeah. The Panthers last won the NRL in 2003. Who was their coach? 2003. Okay, Phil Gould. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Well, you're true to form, Dylan. You've got all three questions wrong, but you haven't been stumped yet, Smithy. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. Um, Henrith Panthers, 2003. Royce Simmons, and he scored two tries. So we're, we're going back a long way. Oh, no. Henrith Panthers. I was going to say Phil Gould as well. Uh, John, I, I've got no idea. I, I, I really can't come up with anything. He's got it. He's out caught. No, you're both getting a bit confused. I think Phil Gould was 91 when they won the grand final and Roycey Simmons was 91. But 2003, their coach was John Lang. And his son also played origin for Queensland, Marty Lang, uh, which means Dylan Turnbull... You've done it. You've got three questions wrong, but you are a winner on Stump by Smithy. 50 bucks from the TAB. That's perfect. Hey, yeah, thanks for that, guys. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't actually enjoy that, but I uh, still enjoy the, the takings. But uh, we both get three wrong. It's still, uh, I suppose, it's, I still get a win out of it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're pretty average, to be fair. Um, Dylan, but hey, good. Yeah. Uh, you're a winner. You're a winner, mate. Yeah. Uh, let's hope you can turn oh, that 50 it. bucks into something. It more worthwhile mate yeah. uh, and stay on the line yeah. Brian will get your details 11.38 here 11.38 here on SENZ uh, Mark Stafford before midday From behind the stumps to behind the mic you're in safe hands it's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ it's 11.43 here on SENZ and yes a couple of texts coming in uh, well, Smithy, it's rather perplexing to me the amount of people who think the word risk doesn't actually apply to them. Uh, not a lot of sympathy here, to be honest. The unnamed text, but I get the gist of it. I thank you for it uh, on the basis uh, of being 
uh, inoculated or not inoculated uh, and and having that uh, be an option when you're involved in these sports and, and putting the risk on other people because you're not prepared to try and uh, do anything about it. So there is that. Uh, there is that, and uh, I completely and utterly understand that. Also, uh, this fellow Elliot has come in with a text. Um, I couldn't possibly be the same Elliot that has missed out on the quiz on this occasion, but uh, it might be because he said, bloody sad stuff. Three gimmies and a South Otago man walks away with the prize getting O for three, O for three, not one right. Um, so, Elliot, uh, it's either you or it's someone with your same name as you who sympathises on your behalf. But uh, keep ringing, keep ringing. You, you never know. You just never know. Um, John, uh, interesting thing um, overnight in this uh, IPL game, and, and it's, it's involved uh, uh, Ravi Ashwin. Of course, uh, people have said that he polarises you. He's not a, a particularly popular teammate. He's not a very popular opponent. He's a damn fine cricketer. But he always seems to be in the thick of things when things go wrong. And it's, again, it's happened. Uh, there was a, an incident in the game uh, that he was playing uh, between the Delhi Capitals and the Kolkata Knight Riders. Uh, that's Brendan McCullum's team, of course. Uh, they ended up winning the game, but it was all on a pretty sour note because uh, at one point, uh, Ashwin and Rishabh Punt, the Indian wicketkeeper, uh, were at the crease. Uh, uh, stole a single uh, on a deflection uh, off Punt's arm. They throw at the stumps and it came off Punt's arm and they ran through uh, for an extra one. So uh, there was all sorts of hostility out there because that in the cricketing terms is an unwritten rule and it's, it's deemed really under the bracket uh, of gentlemanly conduct that you don't take runs when the ball comes off a part of the body. As opposed, and people will be saying, well, what about Ben Stokes in the World Cup final? Don't bring it that up, That is Smithy. in the rules. No. That is in the rules. And, and what happens there, if it hits the bat um, or the glove, which is associated with the bat or touching the bat, uh, then, of course, um, and goes to the boundary, you can do nothing about it. Uh, had that not gone to the boundary, that ball in, in the World Cup final, uh, they probably wouldn't have taken those runs. But to be fair, it went to the boundary, and that is a rule in the rule, official laws of the game. Once it goes to the boundary, off anything, then I'm afraid that's it. Uh, now, on this occasion, uh, they shouldn't have taken the run, and it's caused all sorts of controversy. Dooley's actually coming on it, Simon Dool, uh Really shouldn't have taken for the, a run for that. Uh, Shane Warne, uh, who's also over there, of course, uh, said uh, the act was disgraceful, uh, and let's not just um, let's not just uh, divi- you know divi- divide the cricketing nations uh, around the world on this. That's it. Even Sonny Gavaskar has said uh, batters just don't run if the ball hits them. Notice how he said batters, not batsmen. Batters um, don't run if the ball hits them. Uh, so ugly. And uh, Owen Morgan, who's the captain of KKR, got involved as well. And then, of course, what happened uh, towards the end of the game was that when Ashwin um, was, was batting, uh, Southey managed to, to dismiss him, got his only wicket and one for 29. He, Tim Southey, who's not short of a word, uh, he got it stuck into Ashwin and gave him a send-off, and then Ashwin gave Morgan a send-off when he got it. I mean, it just filtered throughout the day. Quite an ugly incident, but the, the underlying factor is you just don't run. You just don't take an extra run if it comes off a part of your body or your equipment and doesn't go to the boundary. Yeah, why is why is it Ravi Ashwin always at the middle of this? Smithy, he always comes across as a pretty nice guy, obviously a pretty passionate guy whenever he's interviewed, but why is he always at the centre of this? And is this with mancads as well? Is this against the spirit of cricket? Is it in that kind of territory for you? Yeah, well, it's ugly. It is in the same 
territory, but not quite as bad. Um, the man cat is just uh, straight out. All people divide themselves on the man card. A man card is when uh, batsmen back up too far and bowlers uh, knock the bales off uh, when they're out of their ground, appeal for it, and the umpire has no option but to give them out. He can say to their fielding captain, you really want to uphold this appeal. Do you want to be serious about it? If he says, uh, yes, I do, uh, then that is a, the end of the penny section. He must give that uh, as out. Uh, you don't have to give warnings these days. And, and to be honest, it's an ugly part of the game. There's a school of thought on that too. Uh, are batsmen cheating? Are they leaving the ground early? Are they actually cribbing ground off? Uh, because if it comes to a really tight run situation and they've got a head start, is that fair? Um, so, you know, there's two ways to look at that, but it's still, uh, it's still really uh, is designed, um, you know, to, to be a genuinely part of the game. So um, that, that's there. But the thing about Ashwin is he's confrontational. He's, he, as a spinner, he's very confrontational cricket, and that's what makes him so good because he's up for the fight all the time, and the fight is all parts of the game, every essence of the game. He scored, I think he scored six or seven test hundreds. I mean, at batting at number seven or eight. That makes you a hell of a player, I can promise you. Yeah. Uh, he's as a good cricketer, uh, but this is another chapter in his ugly book. Yes. And uh, he, he, won't, he won't make any friends out of it. Some things are brewing here, Smithy. Um, you know, heading into this T20 World Cup, there's a few, you know... Uh, I guess um, personalities colliding. Uh, Pakistan aren't happy yeah. with us in England. I mean, this makes it all like all these backstories make it all pretty exciting for a game that we call hit and giggle. It is, uh, and, and it, you know, it surfaces because of such big audiences too. It matters. Whilst it doesn't matter to you or I too much, or to a lot of people, it matters a lot to the Indians. And, and of course, uh, you know, with their ownership of the franchises, it means a hell of a lot. Uh, Greeny's just texted, and actually, and he makes a very good point. Warney probably isn't there. Um, and that was my mistake. He will have been watching, though, and he's not short of a word because he's pretty good on the old social media, as Shane Warne. Um, uh, and Grinny says, uh, is he playing with Foxy in the Alfred Dunhill golf tonight? Well, my understanding is he is. My understanding is that he is playing with him, so you're right. Uh, so he will be uh, in Scotland watching it on tally. It's 11.49 here on SENZ. Staffy before midday.